right, welcome everybody. It's Draft Politics episode 24. I'm EJ here with you like every week and is? It's Steve here. Uh, we've got a special episode today. A uh, good friend of mine is in town visiting and he's coming by to do a little bit of uh, guest podcasting with me. Uh, yeah. This is this is Chris from uh, Eclectablog and the GOT MFV show. That's right. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I mean, the Venn diagram of beer and political discussion is shaped like me. So there you this go. Is perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I met Chris uh, back at the uh, Netroots Nation conference originally, and yep. uh, many years ago, uh, been good friends since then. So yeah. Yeah. So thought we'd invite him along. We've got plenty to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And and Chris, you're you're podcasting out of the the southeastern lower Michigan area. Yep, yep. That's right. I'd live just outside Ann Arbor in a little village. Well, it's now a city. They, they, it's a village, but they call themselves a city called Dexter. Uh, if you've ever watched the Gilmore Girls and have seen Stars Hollow, this is where I live. It's called Dexter. Um, and uh, yeah, we do a weekly podcast called the GOTMFV Show. If you know what GOT GOTV is, then you can probably extrapolate from there what that is um but you know our, our big thing is we bring in a lot of guests just trying to educate people on what the issues are and give them new ways to talk about stuff so that they can be effective so it's you know that's a, we usually don't bring in guests because we don't want outside points of view but uh, i appreciate <laughs> nice. that and i grew up not too far from there and i did not know that uh, little gilmore girls tidbit yeah. So. Well, I mean, Dexter is Dexter has the the dance studio and the pavilion and the whole damn things or the whole nine yards. So it's uh, that's all right. That's all right. You can say the whole damn thing on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, we yes, we we. You guys are not. I'll so. bleep it out if we get too too okay, terrible. I'll, I'll so. try to you know. I mean, I'll you know, keep myself under. We had Rob Blagojevich as our governor, so right, fuck golden <laughs> is a common refrain. <laughs> right that's on, right, right on. And, and that's an interesting part, you know, part of the country, Michigan. Obviously, very. Surprising results to some in 2016. You've got, like many parts of the Midwest. 10,704. That is the number of, <laughs> it's 2.2 .2 votes per precinct so in Michigan. And so far. <laughs> and as a county party chair, I'm the county party chair in, uh, in the Ann Arbor area there, Washtenaw County. And to think that we missed it by 2.2 .2 votes per precinct in Michigan just tells me that, yep. you know, a little bit of extra push. We probably could have gotten those 10,704 votes in Washtenaw County. Well, we tried just a little harder. Yeah, Washtenaw and Wayne. I mean, yeah. that's Yeah, Wayne that's was, a, was, a big, was a big heartache, and, actually. You know, it's, it's funny. I was actually in Detroit on Election Day in 2016. Ah, interesting. Um, uh, and, and I was on a plane as most of the returns were coming in. Ah. Yeah. So when I landed, it was a sad land. Yeah, it was a, it was a really hard um, night for sure. But 2018 was a transformative year. So absolutely, uh, we went from you know basically the Republicans took over in 2010, and you know they had they held everything. They had Secretary of State, they had you know Attorney General, of course the governorship, both houses of the legis state legislature, and immediately got to work passing the emergency manager law, which was as Rachel Maddow calls it the the most, you know, egregious um, anti-democratic uh, policy that's ever been instituted by a state. Um, they quickly got to work, um, you know, canceling union contracts and um, taking money away from schools and raising taxes on the middle class and elderly people while they were, you know, passing massive tax cuts for the rich. Right, and uh, selling off selling off public lands to yeah, be developed. It was really bad. So it all sounds um, really familiar. <laughs> yeah, yes. So uh, in 2018, we have uh, Gretchen Whitmer now as our governor and Jocelyn Benson as our uh, secretary of state and Dana Nessel as the, sec as the attorney general. And uh, I personally welcome our new female overlords. They're kicking butt. So it's yeah, really awesome. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's really But they're great. still dealing with the legislature because of gerrymandering. And we are literally one of the most gerrymandered states in the whole country. 
we're still dealing with that. So it's going to yeah. be, and, and we just had a Supreme Court um, ruling today on a, on a lawsuit to uh, implement um, changed in maps for the next election, and that's not going to happen now. So we have to wait uh, until 2022. And in 2018, in addition to uh, bringing in uh, Democrats at the executive uh, branch, we also legalized marijuana, um, made uh, early voting um, possible for everybody, no excuse early voting. And we have now a citizen, or a, a basically an independent panel now that will, will draw the uh, congressional and state legislative maps. So in 2022, the complexion of Michigan is going to look a lot different. Good, yeah. good, good. And it, it is, you know, a lot like Illinois. Michigan is a state where it's you've got some very dense population areas, and you've you've got more farmland. Yep. Probably um, more of that, you know. Yeah. Really, when it comes down to it, there's five or six major cities, and the yep. rest of it. Yeah. I mean, the congr- I mean, the first congressional district is the entire Upper Peninsula and like a third of the Lower Peninsula of Michigan. Yeah. It's that big. Yeah. Well, and it seems like that is what makes a difference between a fringe purple state to a very very blue state. Is like how urban is it versus how rural yep. is it? Yeah, and that's so, true. Yeah. And yeah. how gerrymandered is it? Well, <laughs> I mean, <the> we <laughs> gerrymander here, but only to protect the elites. It's, <laughs> yeah. We don't. Party's not really a relevant right, thing right. anymore. The seventh district where I live goes from the west side of Lansing, which is in the middle of the state, all the way to Lake Erie. It takes about an hour and a half to drive from one end to the other. It's that big. Um, yeah. So it's it's really astonishing. Uh, yeah. And I went to school in the middle of Michigan at Central Michigan University. Oh, yeah. And that's also a very interesting area because you've got a combination of a pretty liberal university. Yeah. Uh, a lot of staff came from UC Berkeley and some of the administration. And so it got this kind of weird liberal streak um, surrounded by uh, very conservative areas. Yep. Uh, and uh, a reservation and casino. And that's right. that's basically where John Engler, who was our uh, the one of our previous Republican uh, governors, he was big into oil and gas, which is a big deal up in Mount Pleasant, where that where Central is. And um, you know that he was basically he he helped birth what's now known as the Mackinac Center, which is a uh, an affiliate of the State Policy Network, which is a Koch Brothers outfit that's basically sets out to you know write legislative laws for right. you know. And we have term limits, so these people are coming in. They only get about six years in the state legislature. They About the time they figure out where the lights are and the bathrooms are, they're gone again. So having this legislation just yeah. handed to them where they just fill in the blanks of the Yeah, and I've, I've long been a supporter of, of term limits on executive positions, but legislative positions have never made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I know I've like had people come up to me and be like, hey, do you want term limits? I'm like, no. And they're it's, always confused, like, why wouldn't you want yeah. that? And it has really screwed things up for yeah, us. It yeah, really yeah, has. for it's sure. Been terrible, for sure. So. So, yeah, of course, then we've got Mike Madigan, who's been there since literally the He's dawn of time. He's been the speaker since 1983. Yeah. I think you need to put in place things that take away the advantage of incumbency to some extent to yeah. mitigate that. You know, yes. Because yeah. I understand the thing. You don't want these people that are there till till they're Strom Thurmond and, you know, they're literally sitting there. Right. You know, barely I think that would get rid of the advantage of incumbency is just getting rid of Mike Madigan. <laughs> nice. Maybe we'll get to that later. We'll see how that <laughs> Maybe we out. will get to that that later. <laughs> So, so, and I just would yeah. like to apologize to everybody in, in, uh, in the area that's listening to this for Betsy DeVos because, of course, she was birthed and, uh, you know, hatched yeah. her, her nefarious plans to uh, privatize education for for-profit uh, entities right there in Michigan. So. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, Sorry. we've talked Sorry, about folks. Betsy DeVos and all of those things on previous podcasts because, again, I think everybody, everybody who's got kids, everybody who's paying attention to public schools sees some of that impact. Uh, especially, uh, you know, people with diverse learners or just any kind of general diversity, not yeah. really in the DeVos plan. 
Yeah, that's I gotta tell you. Absolutely true. Yeah. Absolutely true. Absolutely she basically true. measures, you know, holiness by how much money you have in the bank, basically. Yeah. So. yeah. I think that transitions us nicely to the national discussion. Yeah. Uh, since Betsy DeVos, obviously, part of Trump. Yes, sadly. So sadly. Measuring people by their money, part of Trump. <laughs> exactly. So it's all, all fits. I want to start off the national segment today, I think, uh, just calling out Elijah Cummings. Mm. So he... Yes. Uh, Representative from Maryland, Baltimore, passed away uh, this last week. Um, really somebody that was uh, very front and center in all of the discussions we're having about investigations and impeachment. Um, really stood up publicly for what he believed in, uh, but also stood up for the need to have discourse and have conversation with people who have different beliefs um, and... The, the reports were that he was signing subpoenas on yeah. his deathbed, yeah. um, which shows a real commitment to what he believed was right. So, I mean, that is, to me, kind of definition of of a hero in the legislative and, and sort of patriotic sense. Yeah, yeah. Pull out for Elijah Cummings for sure. Yeah, and it's uh, and it's all striking. Like, I always thought of him as being older than I mean, he's only barely seventy, right? Yeah. So it's like it's mm. still kind of you know given. How many legislators have been, you know, are up in their well 80s? Uh, you know, it's kind of a, a little bit of a shocker, but you know, obviously he's been dealing with health issues, so uh, he will be missed. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But you yeah. know, the subpoenas will continue on without him. Apparently so. Exactly. So we had a really, uh, really interesting week. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, we only had one week to catch up on this week, and there's still plenty to I talk know. about. But we are sick. I, I was thinking uh, at the end of last week as a as somebody who podcast you know we podcast casually people who do this for a living must have been out of their minds last week trying to figure out how many can they do oh, right, yeah. right emergency podcast day like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. tomorrow <laughs> like we'll we'll record for an hour an hour twenty an hour thirty who knows you know just whatever fits and uh, so we can keep up with it but uh, this is a little bit nuts and I mean, uh, people could do an hour on Mulvaney's week oh yeah. Who was, who was crazy last week? So acting chief of staff, Mulvaney, uh, and and I think we, we kind of joked earlier there are enough people in acting positions in the Trump administration that you might need James Limpton in there to help get get things together. Had that really great press conference, right? <laughs> like really, and it's great. very clear he just hadn't gotten talking points on this. He didn't know what to say, and he just kind of shot off his mouth and it's like right. okay and he said uh you know he was saying you know in terms of he admitted basically to the quid pro quo which is like <laughs> you know everybody's been talking about oh there is no quid pro quo you're no, misinterpreting no. that i'm sorry oh i'm misinterpreting <laughs> that oh yes that's true <laughs> along with the other ma mainstream media that's right the fake yeah. media sorry yeah, but he like said, you know, just he said, get over it. There's going to be political influence in foreign policy. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. <laughs> Elections have consequences. And the best part, really, when you saw the the sort of split screen. So he said, so, yeah, he had, had talked about the uh, investigation in the 2016 election and the servers. And like, it was absolutely, you know, that was, you know, tied to the, the funding and every. Well, 
all except maybe two reporters sat up, you know, ears perked up, you know, and, and one reporter, and I really should have uh, made a note of his name, um, said, so are you saying that there was a quid pro quo between yeah, what and you just described <laughs> very clearly and Mulvaney's like, absolutely, no question. Yeah. All right. Okay. okay. Let me write that down. Yes. Um, just just going to write down the words, no question, right there. Now, there is a bit of a nuance here, because what he was talking about was the pressure to investigate the 2016 election. And this goes back to this crackpot conspiracy theory that Trump is attached to, that basically Ukraine was trying to uh, frame Russia. Frame Russia, and that yes. there's a server in Ukraine will approve all of this. And so <laughs> that's what he was talking about, the quid pro quo being around, of course, when you go and look at the texts amongst right. all the ambassadorial I mean, people who are talking about this, it all very clearly shows there's one deliverable. That deliverable is all of those investigations of that and Biden. We have quid pro quo. You know, I never thought I'd be saying as much Latin in yes, my daily all of us have conversations. So, yeah, so it feels like smoking gun. Uh, he's ready to be convicted of impeachment, right? right. And then, he, of course, he, he, like, several hours later, is like, no, you misinterpreted what I said. But, like, but they asked you specifically, and you said no question. Absolutely. George Stephanopoulos played it back for him, and he still denied it. That was the best part. <laughs> well, and so did Chris Wallace yes. on Fox. I mean, I, I don't know. We've always been at war with East Asia. I, yeah. I don't know what you're saying. I, it was it was amazing. The weekend interview with Chris Wallace was was also fantastic. I mean, there is, as we've talked about before, some Schadenfreude here. Um, but Chris Wallace saying, "Well, you said there was a quid pro quo." No, no, no. That's not what I said at all. Well, Let's here's roll the tape. tape. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't say the words quid pro quo. But you said yes when they said quid pro quo. It's like, let's talk about the real issue here. Chris Wells, I think that's the real issue. And I guess there were some, uh, there were some reporting that, you know, the Don was not super happy you with think? Mulvaney <laughs> uh, before the impeachment right. stuff started. And then he kind of got distracted. And we know that Mulvaney has always been somebody in his good graces because He's a person who just says what he thinks, and I'm going to do what I think is right. This is the way it is, everybody. And it was part of that, you know, part of that original press conference was him talking about the G7 being hosted at Doral. Yeah. It's like, oh, we had this big list of no other places, and the Trump right. Exactly. <laughs> the Trump After a very rigorous search, we turned out we ended up at exactly where we wanted to be. Exactly. But we he's very Googled. smart. You can tell by the round glasses. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, that's true. Care. We it's Googled for literally. 10 seconds before we made that decision and he was very upset that people were upset about that and that carried into to that discussion so well, and it's funny because like now he has since they've decided to not go to Doral because there's right. so much pressure against him and I, and the impression I've gotten is that it's not public pressure it's that there's Republicans in the Senate who are like Seriously, dude? Dude, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they're like, come, come on. Like, Even we don't want to impeach you, but please give us a We've bone. already got all this other water we're carrying. We can't right. take anymore. Exactly. Romney's thinking about using his real Twitter account. I know, right? his fake Twitter oh, account. Oh, yeah. Precisely, about that precisely. One. I mean, I, also, uh, my next band name is going to be named uh, Romney's fake Twitter account. There you go. For sure. Romney's fake Twitter. Good band name. Something Delectico or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, really astounding to get that level of honesty 
from somebody in the Trump administration. Well, I think there's a... I mean, I think the, the style of the Trump administration is just that. It's just like, I'm just going to talk off the cup and say whatever the heck comes to my mind I until I get caught that. on it. And then and then it's going to be like, okay, well, now I'm going to spin it and I'm going to try to yeah. say it meant something it didn't. And, oh, I didn't actually say that. And they think that they can keep doing that. And, well, so far, they can keep doing that. But maybe there will be consequences. Pure delecto, eventually. sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah thank you. Yes. yes. <laughs> so... That was really interesting. Really set some context for some things, but we're we're now into this. Uh, I've read a few different descriptions for it. Some of them are revenge of the State Department. I like that. Um, State Department fights back. Nice. You know, so we've nice. got a list of people who is are this a Disney Plus crossover <laughs> promotion? <laughs> this podcast brought to you by Disney Plus. Disney Plus, your new streaming service. Coming to your Roku, Apple TV, or PC this fall. Because your kids won't let you not have it. Right. <laughs> Catch new episodes of the Disney original, The Mandalorian, and the State Department. Which may or may not back. involve Boba Fett playing a mandolin. <laughs> nice. So, <laughs> but we've had now uh, depositions that have really kind of elucidated us on some of the discussions that were going on in the, the State Department and have tied in people who are no longer with the administration, like the, the our the, war our The war previous Lorax. acting mustache. Yeah. <laughs> war Lorax. War Lorax Bolt. is perfect. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, so... Um, and a lot of this came out not directly through Bolton, but through uh, one of his aides, uh, Fiona Hill, who is the Senior Director for European and Russian Affairs. And so apparently he was talking to her about uh, Gordon Sundland and, and, and Giuliani. And a couple of fun quotes here. Uh, I am not part of whatever drug deal Sundland and Mulvaney are cooking up. And Giuliani's a hand grenade who's going to blow everybody up. Which, I mean, it turns out, is true. Yeah, it is true. <laughs> it, is, is true. It, is, it is the one accurate prognostication of John Bolton's career. And, and let's just be clear... How many times in the last few years that I've not known how to feel about something because I really dislike John Bolton. Oh, yeah. Oh, you. You in, bet. I mean, many, come on. Many, many ways. We're all on that ship. <laughs> but I also am like, I appreciate that quote. <laughs> I mean, whatever drug deal. That, yes. Yes. Thank you, John. You go. You go, Lorax. Which, uh, which Lord of the Rings character do you think Giuliani is best represented by? Uh, Grima Wormtongue or Gollum? This is not the first time this conversation has come <laughs> up in my life. <laughs> in the last week. In the last week, okay. In the last week. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm among in your company. In the car with my children. <laughs> nice. They were watching The Two Towers, and I was like, that is a terrible name. He could have gone by, some, speaking of Grima Wormtongue, like if he's kind of in charge, couldn't he have picked a, picked a better name like Giuliani? <laughs> yes, Rudy Giuliani, precisely. <laughs> oh, Lord. My. So uh, it was really interesting that, that Fiona Hill brought him back into it. So, And one of the things that we've seen that's, that I think is, is really telling is that we have this collection of people who are a mix of political appointees career diplomats yeah and a bit of a hybrid and like trump basically has kind of a shadow government going on 
within the government that he nominally runs. It's Not a the deep, shallow uh, state. Separate from the deep state. Right. Yeah, separate state. from the deep state. So there's okay. the deep state, <laughs> nice. who's really just the state. Yeah. And the then state, there's yes. the shallow state. Or swamp like. state. Swamp state, yes. Swamp, swamp state. state. Swamp state. Yes. TM. TM. There nice. we go. Well done. We'll trademark that after this podcast. Um, Perfect. But it's just, it's it's crazy. So, like, we had, like, Fiona Hill, like, talking to Sondland, and Sondland's like, I'm in charge of all of Ukraine. And she's like... Which, just so we remember, he's the EU ambassador. Yeah, he's the right. EU ambassador. <laughs> Which and, uh, Ukraine, Ukraine is not in the EU. Still I just not want to point EU. that yeah. out. And he's <laughs> absolutely a political appointee, a big like donor. He Huge bought donor, yes. that ambassadorship. Sure. Like he didn't get 100%. vetted. Right, right, right. Really, yeah. And, and look, we would be hypocrites to say this is the first administration to have it, uh, ambassadorships. Oh, of course, of course. I'd but like, usually it's well, like, you know, yeah. that's the thing Southern is, and, Scandaluvia or something. And this I is right. what <laughs> I think hurts us a lot is that there's obviously an ongoing pattern of people giving out ambassadorships to wealthy donors. That's just the way it happens. But we, but historically it's been, you know, Monaco and and places that nobody cares about that we're not really going to have any diplomatic relations right. with. Exactly. So moving that bar that extra half inch to say, okay, well, now it's the EU I, and I'm just as corrupt as they are. Because they are corrupt in their own way. Sure. I, I was just matters. trying to be fair and balanced. No, no, no I, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just always, try to be always fair, fair and balanced. Don't say Miz me, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. On all sides. And that's one of those things. This is one of those moments where the political appointees and the career folks clashed a little bit. Yeah. And so Fiona started sending up flares like, what the hell is going on here? And when Bolton's like, you better talk to the lawyers. Like, nobody knows who's in charge. Yeah, and, and Bolton is a lawyer by, by training. So he knows, he knows when, like, the, the waters are getting deep. <laughs> you bet. You betcha. Right up to his mustache. The yes. <laughs> it's actually very buoyant. That's, that's why he keeps <laughs> right. it. That's a built-in life preserver. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Your mustache is also used as an emergency <laughs> flotation yeah. device. In the event of in an emergency landing. Swamp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> pull gently. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Inflate mustache outside of the administration. So, Anywho. she confronted Sondland about what was going on and, you know, talked to, talk to her boss. And, and I think that this nexus really is, is kind of showing that tension that we've all wondered about. You know, because you know there are a lot of people who don't change administration to administration. And they accept that things will be different, but they're hoping that people will have the best interest of the country at heart. And that's supposed to be what the oath of office is about. That's yeah. supposed to be why you Absolutely. go well, into... Well, and ultimately when they talk about the deep state, those are the people we're really talking about. It's not people who have like some grand conspiracy yeah. like run scandal or whatever it's it's a bunch of people who have been there for 30 years in the state department and that's their job and they know what the hell they're doing and they see these crazy people come in and start yeah. just destroying the place they're like whoa 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 what are you doing yeah and they take great pride in Absolutely. protecting the norms and the you know the the policies of this country so. and they should yes they should so then it was you know after Fiona Hill and she talked about that then it was Sondland came in. And I think everybody, this was Thursday of last week. And there was some surprise, at least for me, that he was actually going to, to come in and, and give a deposition. Because, yes. you know, it was like, nobody's going to testify. We're pushing back. And, you know, we've seen that, like, uh, 
Rick Perry not coming in, some other folks not coming in. But he came out with, what, it was 16-page, 17-page opening statement that he released to the press last Thursday morning, which, again, for people in the press, must have just blown them away, like, oh, my God. Or now they had something to read while they were waiting for his testimony to be over. Right. Um, really some interesting reporting about all those all of those uh depositions last week and what reporters do while they're just sitting there waiting for them to be over yeah and it's interesting how like everything is being kept somewhat under wraps at this point like it's like they clearly want to like get all the information build up a narrative before they go to the public and kind of a reverse of what we saw from from william barr is like you know he got everything ahead of time spun it the way he wanted to like okay we're going to do this kind of a similar process of we're going to grab it all we want so that we can make sure to set up what our narrative is yeah. when we go out the door. I mean, Sondland is, to be clear, the quintessential rat deserting the ship. This oh, is a yeah. major Trump oh, yeah. donor. He's this dude totally bought, like you said, butt. Yeah. You know, he's got all kinds of shady stuff going on on the side. So I, well, he even is if it's packing not, his stuff up and getting the heck out of Dodge. Yeah, even <laughs> if it's not shady, him just saying, like, look, guys, I don't know. I, the Don told me to do this. I didn't really like it, but I serve at the... I serve at the will yeah, of I the president. Yeah, I was just following orders. Just yeah. following orders. And it was, again, really telling to see him putting some daylight between himself and the president and blaming Grim Tongue. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Blaming yes, uh, Grim Worms, I guess. Grim Worms. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can only see that gaining momentum. And, and you're right about the under wraps stuff. And I... I heard some, again, this was some reporting uh, from the New York Times saying that one of the reasons to do it this way is that lawyers can do the questioning in these sessions. And it's sort of like a, because you know the politicians are going to be going for sound bites. Oh, yeah. They're going to be grandstanding. The I mean, honestly, I do not want them on I, asking I'm, those questions. I appreciate <laughs> that they're sparing me from that because I, I know if Sondland was up there, I'd be like wanting to like watch the live stream of that and it would be like, Okay, a bunch of Democrats sort of reiterating right. the same annoying yeah. questions and not getting anywhere, and he'd be very... And then you have Republicans just throwing out their bombs exactly. to distract us from everything. Uh, Mr. And then we Sullivan, finally I, get like, I see you've forgotten your tinfoil hat. Uh, yeah, can we right, put that exactly. on so you can answer these next yes. questions truthfully? Exactly. Yeah, send in the layers, I see. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're the ones that should be asking these questions. And th- those continue this week, and I think it's still going to be interesting to see who they get and don't get because it's not clear who's going to cooperate with the subpoenas. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if they get to the point where they're just like, okay, we've got enough. We don't really need to bring these people in. Or if do they say, we're going to, you know, see if they bring up inherent contempt. Uh, I don't think they're going to go there. I don't think chance. they're going to go there. I don't see the, the, the sergeant at arms arresting Barr or any of this Right. Kind of Who is the sergeant at arms? That's a fine question. I don't know. I don't know. We should find out. Um, but the reality of it is, is that we already have crimes on the record that Trump has admitted to. And it's weird because he, like, admits these things in public and to sort of give it the sense of, hey, everything's fine. Like, no, 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 no. We don't need quid pro quos or any of that. You you solicited help from a foreign government to interfere in our election. You've admitted to that. Why are we even still having this conversation? So one of the things, you know, we we're kind of waiting for Nancy Pelosi to maybe put a little pressure on an official sort of whole house vote. Um. One of the things that I've seen that concerns me, and I, I'm bringing this up because of something you said, Steve, because you know you say oh. things that concern me, um, <laughs> is the muddling Always. of the message about crimes. Because 
I think that a most people don't care about election crimes, you know, crimes related to elections. Yeah, they're like shrug. And I yeah. and I I think which is what Watergate was. Just saying. But do you think that water, you know, people turned the tide because it was they knew the letter of election law or it was because they felt that what was done was wrong? I think it is the latter. And the reason why that felt wrong was because we had a media that was all saying this is wrong. The problem we have now is that half the media is saying nothing to see here. Or not saying anything. Yeah. Or not saying anything at all. Yeah. And so it's, it's uh, what is, I mean, ultimately impeachment is a political action. Right. And the politics of everything under Nixon are different than the politics of everything now. Primarily because of Fox News, uh, oh, sorry, of, 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 <laughs> yeah, of Roger Ailes yes. and his deliberate effort to fix the bug of of impeachment yep. to him, which was having a media that was turning against them. Yeah, well, and I think the other part of that is that by conflating or seemingly conflating the need for a crime with impeachment, it. It makes it harder for people to get on board. Sure. And that's that's the thing that I worry about because I agree with you that there is enough evidence to impeach, but there's not enough evidence to convict somebody in a criminal court of law. And that's the thing that if people get conflated, like... I mean, see, but and this is where it gets messy is because, well, quid pro quo with Ukraine isn't a crime either. Uh, I have heard the bribery argument. I'm going to bribe you with... You know, I mean, I, I mean, ultimately, what it comes down to is to we're not going to convict on impeachment. There's just no. I mean, unless there is something that is very, so clearly criminal in U.S. statute that's not election related, and even then, I'm not sure that would happen. So I have a theory about this. Okay, actually. please. And that is, this is that what Donald Trump is masterful at is repeating the same idea. Repeatedly, 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 with capital letters and exclamation points, and you know, insulting you know, derogatory names for people, to the point where he creates a new reality in the minds of his supporters, and it's easy to fall into that trap to believe that a lot of people in America believe that. But if you look at the polls on, on impeachment right now, they're way ahead of where they were for Nixon. He yeah. didn't. He, they didn't cross fifty percent until after they had been well into the impeachment inquiry for Nixon. So I think that I think America, including a lot of Republicans, are looking at this and saying, what the heck is going on? And they have a lot of evidence that this man is, you know, a loose cannon in ways that they never anticipated, even though he's delivering Supreme Court justices and, you know, owning the libs and all that stuff. They still see him as a disruptive factor that doesn't represent this country. So I I have my, my gut feeling on this is that He's creating a reality. We have to be careful not to get sucked into that because yep. the reality fair. is yeah. that most of America actually is pretty well, disgusted by what he's doing and d- it doesn't feel like he represents our interests. And, and maybe a certain amount of what's going on is that there is a level of disgust with him that goes beyond the scope of this. It's Ooh, just like bet. endless things that he's doing. Yeah, and this there's is a certain just amount of like, can we just get yeah. rid of the guy already? Exactly. Regardless of yeah, any <laughs> specific crimes or actions that he's done. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Bring in which, the vice president. Yeah. Which I feel like moves us on to Syria pretty quickly. <laughs> oh, my. Well, I, I mean, I, I do think that there's some interestingness, you know, around the senators, the Republican senators. And so, and this also is a good segue to Syria. Yes. Segway to Syria, another good band name. 
There you go. Fair point. So <laughs> Lindsey Graham was like, Lindsey Graham has both said he wouldn't rule out impeachment if the if the evidence was there, um, and so did so did our friend from Utah. Um, he also was very very critical of the president on Syria until, until the president wasn't. was like, no. And he rolled over on his back. Literally five hours ago, according to USA Today. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, here's the thing is I can't figure out, like, because it seems like Lindsey Graham kind of just turns on a dime with this stuff. And it's like, yeah. I feel like. He's a wind like, sock I keep at thinking, an airport. Well, right. And I keep thinking, like, does Trump have something on him? But if Trump had something on him, he wouldn't flip flop. Like he would keep kind yeah. of keep consistent of like you know yes, yes dear leader fair of point. course dear fair leader Syria is great dear leader but he keeps switching about I don't want the uh, I don't want the Donald Trump has compromat <laughs> theory <laughs> right of Lindsey Graham yeah. then, we, then we've got to have a meta compromat yeah. <laughs> we're in a weird place can we all just agree on this <laughs> yes yes it is compromat that's another good band name I mean I. <laughs> I'm sure it's out there. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, because it is, it, it does seem weird how quickly people flip because there's no way they're, you know, instantly getting feedback from their constituents that says, like, actually, we back the president on this. Yeah. And he's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, okay, you're right. Sorry about that. Yeah. You know, so. Well, I feel like a lot of times they're just looking for a path to get back to being on the president's side. Because they realize that like, being on against him yeah. is a little politically iffy. And so it's like the moment they see an opening of, oh, well, he got a five-day ceasefire. Cool. You know, I and can hang my head on that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of Syria. Yes. So there's a five-day ceasefire. Okay, is well, there? there we go. I don't know. Well, yeah. Or is it a pause? Right. Because <laughs> Turkey was like, we are pausing, I guess, if we want... But we don't really have to. We could to. choose not to, yes, at any moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and actually, one thing I did not include in our the letter. show notes here. I don't know if you did here. I don't see it. Uh, the letter. We didn't. Put, how did we not put the letter in there? The letter is the letter? A, a thing of so this, joy this and wonder. Letter, the, what, remind me of the timing of this letter. So this was before the call, or this was like just after the call that was, he had with Erdogan? It was after the first it was call. Af- yeah, it was, it was after, after the, the first call. He promised a second call. Call yes. you later, baby. Yes, yeah. that's how he signed it off. And it was like call finger guns. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yes. You guys, just like just Google it. I'm not going to read you the whole thing on here, obviously. But like, it is uh, a thing of. But it's just and, like and you know, you wouldn't want something bad to happen by doing this, and you'll be you'll be lauded for being. You know, it's just it's just Trumpian craziness. Don't be a tough guy. Don't be a tough guy. There you go. Which is, by the way, precisely why Donald Trump loves. It. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He is a tough guy. Because he is a tough guy. Just like Putin. And <laughs> so there's that letter. There's, I, I mean, in the whole pullout, like, I'm bringing my people home. I, and, of course, he's not, right? All so 100 of them or whatever. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, you know, it depends on how you kind of look at the scope of that. Because there are, there are the small numbers of special forces folks who are trained in training others. Right. And they're at forward bases and yeah, whatnot. there was like the basically the human shields. Talk about that we your had. thin green line. I mean, that yeah. was right. a pretty thin line. And then it was like so we had the human shields and we had like another like few thousand troops in Syria who are now sort of like uh, like Getting like apparently like they had to pull getting. out with such speed that they had to bomb their own yeah. air bases. And they still have fifty of our nukes sitting over there, by the way. Well, well okay, so 
they have 50 nukes sitting in Turkey. Yeah, well. But it, it is at an airbase in Turkey that is guarded and controlled by U.S. personnel. So it's not like the Turks have our nukes. That's not quite what we're at. Yeah. But it's still a little like maybe those shouldn't be there at this yeah, point. Do we really uh, want that? Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a complicated geopolitical situation. Just, and I, I just to want to say, point out, we have nukes in Turkey. Okay, did you know well, this? Because I didn't know this. You didn't know that, that. Oh, yeah. So, oh, man. This here's was a the news thing, though. To me. If, if you were, I don't know, Russia, and you were concerned about your sphere of influence, wouldn't it be awesome if uh, a NATO ally that was very near to your borders suddenly didn't have their nukes anymore? Like, this oh, all bet. is oh, you bet. all working out very nicely for them, somehow. Weird. Well, and what I thought was interesting, and, and again, they're... We've got the behavior of Turkey, and I think we should talk about that because it's important. Um, and then we've got that side track, which is the narrative that Donald Trump is living up to a campaign promise yeah. that says, I'm going to end endless wars. I'm going to bring people home. And he's hanging his head on that. Me and, and Tulsa this, Gabbard. Yeah. It, yeah, oh. <laughs> we'll get to that. Do we have a yeah? Do we have a 2020 conspiracy theory? Good. Um, so, so he's saying this, and this is supposed to be one of those things. But instead of actually bringing those those kids home, they're just going to Iraq, right? Yeah. And then they're actually being redeployed back to guard oil facilities in Syria, and at the same time, we're increasing our presence by 250% in Saudi Arabia. Right. So, Because that's always worked out well for us. Yes. Having a lot yeah. of just, in Saudi you know, Arabia. With, with the rhetoric around, well, they've been fighting for 10,000 years. They're like two kids in a playground. Yeah. They need to fight for a little bit and pull them apart. Final but solution, this, clean them out. Yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah. But in this case, the fighting is using white phosphorus. Yep. Right? The yep. fighting is civilians being killed and, you know, some people on the ground, and I don't know how biased or unbiased they are, I suspect biased, um, you know, talking about this as being ethnic cleansing. You know, so that's the what Donald Trump feels like is okay. And he literally used the words clean that area out. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, is, like he didn't the final use solution. ethnic cleanse. Okay. <laughs> points there. <laughs> okay, but clearly yes, the word is. was in the back of his mind. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it is, it is just one of these things where you look at it and... Look, we can talk about, you know, whether or not the United States should be involved in the Middle East or, you know, there are there are legitimate questions of foreign policy. There are also legitimate questions of how the hell can we be okay with or can anybody be okay with our country making a commitment and then saying we're okay with people being killed indiscriminately for no real benefit. Or for any reason, but there's no there's no way you could go back to this and say like there's a benefit to our people. Even the soldiers who were there who are in harm's way are like we should be here. We yeah. should stay. And the Kurds were there fighting on our behalf because we didn't want to commit troops to doing that. Right. We right. were you know, America's sick of endless war, for sure. Yeah. No question about that. And so they were our they were our human shield, literally, and then we hung them out to dry and it is the most disgusting thing we've done yeah. in terms of foreign policy in decades since probably Vietnam. Vietnam, yeah, that's what I keep hey. coming back to. Well, I think one of the things that's important to understand is like we can decide, we can debate whether like what is the involvement we have in, in Syria and how many troops and, and what, it, what our role is there and all that sort of stuff. Ultimately, though, there has to be nuance, there has to be strategy to all of it. So it's sure. like we had the troops there, things were going as they were. Okay, 
if you're going to pull the troops out, okay, that's fine. And I think long term, you that's what you want to do. But there's a whole like, what does the final situation look like? How does things work with Turkey and the Kurds and Syria? What does that balance look like? Yeah. And and making a settlement around that while you're still there, rather than just saying, well, I'm going to precipitously pull the troops out, and you know maybe we'll do some sanctions later. Uh, which I know they said they were going to do the sanctions. Art but of the deal. Oh, yeah. Nice. Art of the deal. Oh, yeah. And this... I really need to read that book yeah. slash burn it. <laughs> yes. This does... No burning books. That sounds like something Donald Trump would do. This That's does true. remind me, though, of all of the stories you heard during the campaign where it's like, well, Donald Trump would hire some people, they would do all the hard work, and then he would just say, you, I'm not going to pay you. Oh, yeah. Sue me. What are He's you going to do? very consistent, yes. What are you going to do? Get over it. I'm sure the Kurds will sue him later. I mean, like, right. yeah, it's gross. Lindsey Graham, this is a wonderful quote. The big thing for me is the oil fields. This is after he talked to Trump and tr- Trump talked him down off the uh, the ledge. The big thing for me is the oil fields. President Trump is thinking outside the box. I was so impressed with his thinking about the oil. And then he went on to say that he hoped that the arrangement would, quote, generate revenue to pay for our commitment to Syria. Uh, what I would like to know, <laughs> and I might, I, you know, if I was in the press conference, what I'd ask him is, was it big, beautiful oil? Yes. <laughs> it was the best oil. It was the best oil. The best oh, strong, well, everybody strong, tells me strong, it's the best oil, oil yes. in Syria. Never mind then. It's yes. all fine. I'm coating all yeah. my buildings Lindsay with Graham. Syrian oil. We've talked about on our podcast how depressing it is. So, sorry. That's why we drink. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> but let's yes. talk about something funnier somehow. Brexit. Oof. <laughs> Oof. So, we're coming up on the deadline, self-imposed by good old Boring, Boris Johnson. So, 31st of, of October. And he came back last week from Brussels and said he had a deal. He had this great deal. The best um, deal. The best deal. It was the best deal. He negotiated it. It was the exact same deal that <laughs> Theresa May had done. Um, of course it was. Oh and a big part of that, and, you know, if you're into Great Britain politics, a big part of that is how you deal with Northern Ireland. And actually, what they essentially said was, we're just going to treat Northern Ireland like Ireland and have it part of the common market. Which goes really well, goes over really well with the Northern Ireland. <laughs> I, I, you know, <laughs> you know, and what's interesting is at this point, they're like, we'd rather do that than you guys put a wall up between fair us because right. you can't point. figure anything yeah, out. Fair point. Because if there's one thing the Irish will tell you, it's when you're being an idiot. <laughs> and they're at that point. Yes. The nice. Scots as well. You bet. So he comes back and says, we need to, we need to vote on this right away. And they were going to have a, they were going to have parliament session on Saturday, which is super rare. But they couldn't do the vote on Saturday, and then they were going to try to vote on that uh, today. And the Speaker of the British House, uh, you'll you'll not remember his name, but you'll remember him saying "order" all the time. Is like we're not going to do the vote today. Why are we doing a vote on something we've already voted on and failed? We have to wait. Uh, so they may do a vote tomorrow, but nobody knows how it's going to go. But it will be on the same Theresa May deal. Uh, essentially. Okay, great. But it's So here's my question for you. Which happens first? A Brexit deal of some sort before just a hard Brexit or CTU settlement? 
Ah, wow, bringing it back to the local. I love it. And then I can go on the local podcast and ask the exact opposite question. <laughs> nice. <laughs> CTU happens before Brexit. head is spinning I around right now. I think you're right. Uh, no question. No question. Yeah. There are fewer players in the Brexit deal. That's true. It's a fair point. <laughs> it's less complicated. Yes. Uh, so I, uh, that's something we should be paying attention to. And again, I uh, just booked a flight to London. Right. Like the day after Brexit. So, so you'll be there I, to sort things out for him if I things don't go well. I know what currency I'm going to be using. <laughs> so we have at this point approximately one podcast left before we hit the wall. Or they just say, hey, we're going to kick it down the cur- curb another three months. I think fine. that's going to happen. I think it's going to get delayed. Uh, and I think there will be a general election in Britain before it happens. That's... You're here first, everybody. Um, Two other international things I think we should bring up. We've talked about them before. Um, One, Israel. So uh, we talked about the elections in Israel before, uh, and it's a parliamentary system, and the way that that works, just to bring people back very quickly, is that after the election, the president of Israel, who isn't really elected in the same way, eh, gets to then nominate somebody to form a government and... Even though Netanyahu and his Likud party uh, did not win a majority or even a plurality in the last election, uh, he was given the opportunity, good old Bibi, to form a government. And he has a certain number of days in which to do that. Today, he's like, I can't do it. So now it's going to be probably up to Benny Gantz, who is a... Uh, a more centrist politician whose party did actually, the Blue and White Party, actually did win uh, the, the plurality in, in the last election. So it'll be up to him to form a government. Um, and he has said previously he will not form a unity government with Likud that has Benjamin Netanyahu in a position of power. Bless so him for that. It certainly looks like Bibi uh, will not be in Bibi, a position bye-bye. of power. Bye-bye, BB. Wow. <laughs> bye-bye, BB. Bye-bye. There you go. That is... No, 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 no. That is fantastic. Hey, hey. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, he's been there for a decade. He's been in power for a decade, so this is a big deal. Yes. Oh, yeah. And it's could huge. shift the, the general politics in Israel from the sort of hard line, uh, you know, and I hesitate to say right wing, but I'm... Although, out of synonyms. You know, it's a decade is not that much longer than eight years, which is our standard issue for most presidents. So it's not that far down the line. But a decade is a long time in a parliamentary system. That though. is true. Yeah. It could be eight so, more years if they, yeah. if they chose yeah. to. Yeah. So it, it, is, it is a big deal. And I think we'll see pretty rapidly how quickly... Uh, the opposition, I don't even want to call it the opposition, the Blue and White Party been against, can, can form a government. Yeah. And who's in that coalition? So I'm rooting for you, Israel, to have a unity government. I am too. Uh, sure. Let's maybe not vow to annex other countries and territories. Thanks. Wouldn't that be awesome? And then lastly, Hong Kong. And I bring this up every podcast. I feel very strongly about this. Um, Things are still the same. Yeah. People protesting every weekend. Uh, the Chinese government still trying to navigate it. 
we can't lose sight of how important this is in terms Yeah, it's good to keep on the radar. Yeah, just yeah. generally what it means to democracies for for us to be able to say we're supporting the people who are fighting for their own rights. Yeah. Uh, and this last week, we saw the Chinese government just decide, like, you know what? We're going to go after anybody protesting by a religious site. So especially Muslim locations, like the largest mosque in Hong Kong was targeted last week. And they're using sort of water cannons with dye so that they can find people later. Um, certainly, the protesters have been getting very clever in how they kind of move in and out and are elusive. And the Chinese government's trying to counter that. Uh, other interesting thing that, you know, the sort of appointed governor of, uh, of Hong Kong had to cancel her speech, her sort of State of the Union speech, because there was so much protesting around it. So, um, you know, you can just imagine if the Congress was flooded by protesters and the president had to cancel his speech. And then the next day he came out and said it was the best speech ever. Right. It's not protested at all. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yes. We had more fans than ever. Yeah. yeah. We have many Trumps all over the globe. Have you seen what's going on in Lebanon? I yeah. have. So they were tens and tens of thousands of people protesting um, yesterday and the day before over uh, corruption. And the prime minister has now announced a package of reforms based on this. When you see the, uh, the tweets, the, the video coming out of this, I mean, the streets of Lebanon are filled with people as far as the eye can see yeah. and uh, it looks very much a lot like what's going on in, in Hong Kong and so people are resisting in, yeah. this, in this globe and it, we should all be it, it, cheering them on. It's interesting because I feel like a lot of the this, this, like the social dynamics of like the whole planet are very different now than they were a few years yeah wow. like this kind of mass organizing it was much harder to do historically and now it's much easier to do and so you see this rising up in various places but then you also see this a lot of the same kind of the technologies or whatever the same things that are giving us you know the Donald Trump and right. and, right. and kind good of old Boris in, in the UK and, and meddling like, always seems like such Brexit. an inadequate word and but. so it's interesting to see like how it can be like very democratizing and very liberalizing and at the yep. same time you know, drive you right in the arms Which of fascism. Which means that it's stratifying us and it's yeah. polarizing us, and that's exactly what's happening in this country and it's happening globally. And that's yeah. a, well, a it, there were also protests in Chile over the weekend too. Um, they protested in the streets, people burning buses and buildings. So a building of a, a big energy company was was burnt. There's a state of emergency there. The world is on fire, but gentlemen. I thought, I thought it was going to be less depressing. <laughs> You want to talk about a circus womp instead? Womp, yes. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's move on to our favorite segment, Circus 2020. Election Circus 2020. It is the circus. And so... There was a debate last week. Yeah, we had the debate. Uh, so we did not have a chance to do a recording on the night of the debate to give our quick reactions. Hopefully we still remember what was unique and different about this debate versus all the other ones other than being a three hour. No, they were all three hours. They were all tedious three hour debates. But okay, so, so I'm going to ask this a question. This seemed like a longer three hour debate than the previous three hour oh, debates man. to me. So <laughs> let, let's go around the horn. Who won the debate? Go. Uh, who won the debate? Uh, well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm hardcore Warren, so it's hard for me to take the blinkers off, but um, I think she did really well. So um, I was surprised by how well uh, Sanders did. I thought he did better than I thought. So in terms of people that did better than I thought, Sanders, people that generally held their own and continued on going Warren on that. Yeah. 
I think that good hedge. Nice, right? <laughs> um, Warren, I think, won for just being able to hold up against being the yeah the, the leader and abuse. having that onslaught. <laughs> and it's and it's amazing to me watching all of these politicians like decide. Oh well, now I'm going to attack this person. Now I'm gonna, yeah. like not yeah. about it's not yeah. about ideas. It's Speaking not about some person's vision. Yes. It's like oh now they're <laughs> in charge. So now I have to slam into them, um, which is interesting because then it gives her extra time to she talk. She spoke and, more, right? Yeah, she gets to speak more. Um, Buttigieg, I think, just for the fact that I think he's got his name out there a lot more. But God, did he look like a giant asshole? To yeah, me. he <laughs> totally did. That's what I. That's what I told my wife. I'm like, what a dick! I didn't realize he was I such mean, a jerk. <laughs> you know, I think like up to this point, he's like tried to sort of like, you know, like I, I, I talked about previously. Like he's a grinder. He's like waiting for his shot, and I guess he decided like this is when he needs to take his shot. And you know, and it, it amazes me seeing him come out there and basically try to suggest Warren is kind of a, uh, a slimy politician for not giving a straight answer when that's effectively what he's doing, is being a slimy politician and shifting where he was before right. and to a new position and then attacking her. Which he would but question I'm the premise of the, of the question if it suited his needs, right. like she did. <laughs> but I'm not biased at all. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think, sir? All right, EJ, what do you got? I would like to note that I think last week you thought maybe that that Bernie had won the debate and won in the way that nobody outperformed, yes, overperformed what the expectations were. He I, proved I thought, he's still alive. I thought I mean? he had a great <laughs> nice. debate. Um, I, I I thought Elizabeth Warren was very, very good. Uh, she had to take those attacks and did them very well. You know, pivoted when she needed to. Stayed on message the whole time. She was Stayed on super message. focused on I, I, what she was trying to say. I think uh, I actually thought Klobuchar had a very, very good debate. You know, in terms of who would get the most out of this debate, I would have said Klobuchar uh, because she was, you know, people who, had, like, Warren has a lot of support. Bernie has a lot of support already. Buttigieg has some good support. Klobuchar has not had a lot of support. I thought she was very good. And I thought that her debate performance would have the biggest impact. Note, I also did not say who I thought won. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the head Let's club. Let's see. <laughs> uh, latest polls for Klobuchar are 1% or 2%. What I would say they is that the, the people that came across <laughs> as the biggest jerks are the people that were the least, the people that you would least likely think would be jerks. So I, I, I never That's, really yeah. saw Mayor yeah. Pete as being a jerk or Amy Klobuchar as being a jerk. I've actually met her. She's a very wonderful, you know, sweet person. Mayor Pete seems the same. So to see them come out like that it was a little off-putting, I think, for folks. Yeah. It was for the people that I've spoken with about it. Well, and I've been told that people in Iowa don't react well to that kind of right. stuff. Right, I've heard that also, So yes. we'll see if that affects the polls. Um, although you were seeing a poll that actually looked pretty uh, good for him. Yeah, so so, so this week, uh, Buttigieg, Boot Edge Edge, Boot Edge, 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 Edge. Uh, <laughs> uh, a poll by Suffolk, which is a pretty good poll, yeah. right? Uh, but a small poll. It was like 500 or 750 people um, had him in third with 13% behind Warren in 17, Biden with 18, um, which is easily the best poll he's, he's had in Iowa. Biden in fourth? No, Biden in first. Oh, he's in first. Okay. Yeah, so it was Biden 18, Warren 17, uh, uh, Buttigieg 13. Sanders in fourth. Interesting. Sanders in fourth with 9%. Wow. 
Um, which is consistent, honestly, with his his polling trending. Yeah. He's pushing. Yeah, Iowa. he's looking beyond Iowa and a couple um, of the early ones. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what was interesting about that to me, actually, was that Biden was still in the lead, Ooh. and Warren was second, not not Bernie. And then, because a lot of people, and we've talked about this before, like, you know, a lot of people had said like first choice Biden, second choice Bernie. Which which you still don't understand. Around, right, yeah. Hashtag old white guy. <laughs> nice. Is you know, but to see Warren and then Buttigieg, so it's 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 the first time we've seen a poll without without both Bernie and Biden in the top three. Q three yeah. results: Bernie twenty four million, I think twenty five. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least two or three people in the twenties. Yeah, but Joe Warren Biden and Sanders were the top two at around like Biden less 25. than nine. Yeah. yeah. So I think that you're going to see poll numbers. I think that's the leading indicator. Yeah. And the yeah. poll numbers are going to follow. Well, the, and, and the if reality. He can't raise more than nine million dollars in a quarter. Biden is sunk in the water, in my opinion. Well, and I think a lot of it comes down to Biden is getting a lot of his money from big dollar donors, you know, like lobbying and, and corporations and things like that. And so they're back in a winner. They're putting money into him because they yeah. think he's going to win. The moment they don't think he's going to win, he's not oh, a yeah. worthwhile investment exactly right. for them. Yeah. They're not like, it's not like, my heart is behind Joe Biden. Like, I don't think there's a lot of those people out there. I mean, I could be wrong. And if you'd asked me three years ago, I might have been in that camp, but I'm not there today. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think it's like Warren and Sanders both have a very organic yes. base of support yeah. that's going to keep going too, for say. a while. Yeah, and Pete Pete too. has gotten, well, actually, his donations fell so off. In the most recent quarter. Interesting. Um, and he gets a lot more of his money from from larger donors as well. So it'll be interesting to see as his he's sort right. of put his name out there a little bit more and as there's been more stories about him, you know, getting his support from uh, Mark Zuckerberg or whatever. Right. Well, he's right. getting advice from Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, okay. But he, remember, there was the donation from an attorney in Chicago who uh, was one of the attorneys who was fighting against the release of the Laquan McDonald video. So uh, he worked for the city, probably didn't really have a choice about what he was doing, to be fair. But the optics of that are yeah. very, very bad. Not helpful. Um, yeah. And we've talked about this before. For people to judge, he already has an optics problem with policing and an African-American yeah. community. Yeah. And, um, if you're, and if your primary resume filler is, I was mayor of a small Midwestern city, it better be a very well-run yeah, place full rock of that happy stuff. people. Yeah, you bet. And, yeah. <laughs> happy, diverse place. Yes. Yes. So uh, the other thing I think we should talk about, actually, was the, the damn Sanders. Like, that rally in Queens yeah. Oh, yeah. was Pretty amazing. Epic. Pretty yeah. epic. Absolutely. was 26,000 people. Yeah. 26,000. You've got AOC up on stage. You've got Bill the Hanover. AOC yep. endorsement. Bernie Sanders, like, getting up there, like, I'm back. Like, uh, the heart attack was like, I don't know. Yeah, right. 45 minutes ago. Hours, yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. I'm back. They were literally putting the stent in as he was being moved to the stage. <laughs> right, precisely. <laughs> I mean, you guys are paying for this stent right now as it's being put in. Like, I mean, it was. Nice. I, $27 donation has paid right for now. this stent. <laughs> exactly. And Hillary Clinton got, you know, pneumonia and it was, you know, a headline for three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it was it was astounding. And it was. And in a great way. I, and I've got to say, like, um, now I, I've, I've gone to great pains not to talk about who I'm supporting, who I'm backing in the, the primary. 
we will say that I am undecided. Um, but if you're a Bernie fan, if you watched those things, yeah. you were fired Gotta up. Got to charge you up, for sure. You were fired up. And, he, and, and one of the things that I thought was really great about AOC was she's like, yeah, endorsing Bernie was the most natural, honest, like, this is the thing I thought I should do, I believe in. But I, I'm still with Elizabeth Warren, too. Yeah. Which I thought was a really good well, message because we don't want that. That's the thing I think that frustrates me a little bit about, you know, a lot of the conversations I see going around the primary is that there's like, you know, Sanders supporters and Warren supporters going at each other trying yeah. to say why theirs is better and why theirs is better. And like, you know what? Like, they're all kind of the same team. Yeah. They have different approaches, Shade, different shades styles. Of, shades of blue is what I would say. You know, and when they're on the debate stage, they don't go after each other at all. It's true. I mean, it's kind of remarkable. I mean, like everybody else yeah, on that stage very... was like, when can I stick a knife in Warren? Yep. And Sanders is right there pulling the knives out going, like, hey, yeah, I, I wrote the bill. I just had some literally. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Let's stay away from that. Yeah. Um, and it also counters the narrative about, you know, sort of the Bernie bro, the, you know, all of all of Bernie's supporters are tw- uh, nineteen to twenty-seven-year-old white guys, right? With know, beards, yes. With beards, um, as a forty-three-year-old white guy with a beard, I can say, <laughs> I can't. Your beard it, is not nearly long enough. Yeah, Bernie not bro. long enough. But uh, <laughs> but having having women of color who are progressive in the yeah. Democratic Party, huge come help out, for I, him. I, Absolutely, I, I, not only huge help from him, but I think. Also, to me, a benefit for the Democratic Party. Yeah. So, so we're 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 expanding the tent. You know, we're taking a narrative and we're 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 quashing that narrative, and we're saying he's got a different perspective maybe than other people, but his people are fighting for the right things. And and I, I've not been a huge vocal supporter of AOC, not a detractor or anything, but just like I really so appreciate it. So tell us, EJ, why do you that. hate AOC? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, I frankly think she's one of the most shrewd politicians in America oh, yeah. right now. I mean, I think she plays her cards so well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my, my, I keep talking in terms of like, you know, I mean, I'm a Warren fan, so I'm like, Warren wins this, this, this you know, coming election, serves for eight years, President AOC follows. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, and Bernie's revolution, that, that's, that's Bernie's revolution. Yeah, that's the wave right crashing yeah, um, in, in you know, D.C. And, for sure. You know, so like, and it's interesting, like, how I felt about the different candidates and I think it's interesting because it's how I feel. Um, yes. <laughs> but as I things find have myself evolved, amazingly interesting. Um, <laughs> Should you have a beard, sir? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, as I think about these cans, it's like Warren and Sanders have quickly become, like, my one and two. And it's like all the other ones have kind of fallen by the wayside because they're, they seem like the most authentic about what they believe yeah. in and why they're doing it. Like, everybody else yeah. is like, I like Medicare for all. I'm all for Medicare for all. Oh, there's some polling that says that might be a little sketchy. I'm going to come up with this thing that sounds kind of like Medicare for all, but right. isn't. Yes. And and they're not going to argue. You feel that way about Kamala? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not going to sit here. Like, they're not arguing why their plan is better or, or you know, how it's going to make yeah. for better health care. Yeah. They just are arguing against Medicare for all and, say, and throwing out the word choice a lot. And so... One thing that's going to make this interesting going into the next debate is Warren apparently is working on coming out with her own health care plan. Right. Yes. So. Yeah, she's going to tell us how she's going to pay for it. Right. And so it'll be a lot easier for her to say, I'm not going to raise taxes or I am going to raise taxes. or I mean, She can frame it exactly how she wants to because she'll actually have the numbers on paper to do it instead of having to rely on 
what Sanders' plan is right. and all yeah. of that. I, I think she was feeling the pressure of her, I'm not going to raise costs being it's, called out. It's a out. hard line to walk because yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody on that stage knew exactly what they were trying to do. And they right. was trying to get her to get say, I'm right. going to raise taxes so yeah. they can put that in a video. Yep. And... As if they aren't. Part of what Raid is internally to me is that like you guys are sabotaging that going to a, a debate, uh, you know, a debate against Trump yeah. or you know whatever videos he throw out there. So, <sighs> anyhow, um, but yeah, no, I feel like overall, like the debate hasn't shifted things a lot. I mean, like Buttigieg yeah. might be up a little bit. Sanders proved he's alive. Warren's continuing to green ground. Biden seems to be continuing to fade off. I think that Biden is tanking. I really do. Yeah, he's going to run out of money. He's yeah. spending a million. Oh, yeah, I forgot about this he, one. He spent more than he brought in in the Q3. That is huge. Not only yeah. did he spend more than he brought in, he spent a million dollars on private on aircraft. Jets, yes. Oh, my. <laughs> wow. Mr. Amtrak. Yeah, put those aviators back on, Hired Joe. a Learjet. <laughs> yeah, he's got all kinds of issues. Yeah, yeah. he does. Um, yeah. He's, he's but good. I also like him in the race as a target. He's a good target for Trump. Oh yeah. And look, let's let's keep something in mind. The Republicans are raising an obscene amount of money. Oh yeah. They're dwarfing so, us literally. So anything well, they can waste their money on, let's have them waste their money on Biden yep. all they want. But you say they're you say they're dwarfing us, but if you look at like all of the candidates and all the money they're raising. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes. Yeah, if you put now, it all together. Does that's that translate true. to the general election, you know, we'll yeah, find we'll, out. We'll find but, out. Yeah, exactly. But he gets to spend it on himself now while we yeah. are you yes, know, exactly. diluting it and out. And Lord knows he likes spending money oh, on himself. Oh, you betcha. Facebook is his friend. Yes. <laughs> and Twitter. I mean, he's got to upgrade the Camaro. We're at Twisted Hippo. Yes. So we're here at Twisted Hippo. It is a place. It's a brewery on the north side of Chicago in Albany Park. This is our third recording here. This is definitely one of our favorite places. And I believe this was our first recording. It here. was. It was our first recording. So... I, uh, it was it was your choice to come here today. Yes. This is not a complaint by me. I love the Twisted Hippo. It is the closest place to my house. Yes. So you come here more often than I do. I'm always like happy to come here because I, I I love the vibe of this place. Uh, I really want to come here tonight because Chris obviously has not been here before. Uh, I thought this would be a kind of a cool place. We've got good yeah. beers. Very here, good beer. Good food. Uh, so. Uh, what do you think of this flashy pink oh, and green Oh, as a man who sports a, a giant hops tattoo on my left arm, I am very pleased with their, uh, their Ale Ale Cool J uh, IPA. That was a very good. Um, we have some pretty fine breweries in Michigan. This stacks up very, yeah. very well against yes. that. We so. were both nervous. Like, which one do we take him to? We don't want to, like, know. This, I know this we were very, it was like It was like a Tinder date. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, and, and this place, this space it's very preppy. A lot of pink and, and lime green, yeah, which well, reminds me of uh, seventh grade, it's which the I'm third, dating myself. It's the third brewery that's been in this space. Oh, wow. So originally it was a wood shop uh, where they made bars. No kidding. And the guys... Uh, so it's the one, birthplace of bars. Yeah, they, they opened a up a brewery. <laughs> and there are lots of bars on the west side of Michigan that were built by ah, these guys. Interesting. And uh, they were not very good at business. The beers were, were fine. Uh, they weren't very good at business. They closed. It was bought by another brewery called Finch's. Uh, they were here for a little while. And then uh, the folks that own it now bought it. And they're great. Uh, they're just great people. Carl and Marilee are the owners. Uh, they've really made it their own. So they came in 
it didn't look like this at all before they brought in the yeah. funky decorations. It's very they, funky and fun. Yeah. Funky cool. Uh, they also have really tried to be part of the community. So very cool. Uh, as Steve was saying, I, I, I'm here a lot. I was here last Sunday for a, nice. or two Sundays ago for a fundraiser um, for a local high school. So Excellent. they're they're Excellent. really part of the community. The beers here are, are really great. Um, you've got the Ale Ale Cool J, very fine uh, IPA, which is Dry which, hop, which is, is a super big good. Uh, that's very in, juicy. Uh, they're doing a whole line that are going to be named after '80s and '90s hip hop bands. Awesome. <laughs> so that's uh, Run AMZ is also going to come out. I love very it. Nice. I love it. Yes, uh, well played. I had the Can Do, which is a, a brew house IPA. Um, I get them in crawlers here. They don't do growlers. They do crawlers. Very nice. Um, the last time I was here, I brought two of those home because I like them so much. Again, hop forward, not too dry, really nice to drink. And you've had? Uh, I've had two. I've had the Cabana Fan Tropical Saison and then the Dragon's Keeper Honey Cream Ale. Um, both of them are great. I have. The, I think I've had the Cabana Fan before. Uh, I don't think I've had the Dragon's Keeper, uh, but yeah, both delicious. The Dragon's Keeper is new in the last okay. three weeks or okay. so. Um, and I'm kind of the oddball out here. I'm the non-IPA the non, guy non at the table. Beard, yeah. uh, it's the no beard thing. Right, right. <laughs> so yes, yes. If I grew a beard, I'd be able to taste hops. Oh, I didn't know. That's how that worked. Yeah. Yeah. It is how it works. Okay. Yeah. It like filters the hops. Yeah. <laughs> the bitterness fades away. Exactly. Got it. Now I understand. Yeah. No, no. The yeah. uh, mustache filters the hops, the bitterness, the bitterness. The beard enhances the flavor. So John Bolton and you can enjoy can't it later. taste any of the bitterness, <laughs> but they still don't taste, they taste Got like it. Bud Light to him. And you can also use it as a flotation device, as and we discussed earlier. <laughs> as we have learned in this podcast. <laughs> That's what you can take away from this podcast. Do not use that advice in an emergency situation. Fair Anyhow. point, fair point. Yeah, and they release new beers like every week. Um, so if you're on the north side of Chicago, again, Albany Park, it's on Montrose, uh, just east of Kedzie, pretty close to... Uh, Rockwell on the Brown Line. You can come down here to uh, to Twisted Hippo I, all the time. If you come on Friday and find me, I often have lunch here and work from Twisted Hippo because they've got Very a nice. happy hour from like 11 to 3. Nice. 11, yes. So if you find me <laughs> on a Friday here at Twisted Hippo, oh, maybe I'll just I'll hop buy on the bus beer. down here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, no, I think that wraps us up uh, for our national, international impeachment uh, side of things. Gentlemen, um, thanks for having me here. This yeah, has been really fun. Good, good. Love thanks to for joining us. It's yeah, great. and we'll be doing uh, our local podcast, which will be coming up later in the week. Uh, and we're actually going to bring, uh, bring uh, Chris on for that as well. We can talk a little bit about <laughs> CTU, and we can talk a little bit about Michigan education. Yeah, and we don't get to have teacher strikes in Michigan. Right, they have to have sick outs because it's so. illegal to strike in Michigan if you're a teacher. So. Yeah, so if yeah. you're not normally to listening to what's going on in Chicago, we're going to have a little <laughs> bit more variety there this week, so uh, be sure to tune in. And, and I feel like part of it's just going to be your reactions to what goes on here and say, <laughs> what the? <laughs> what the? Yeah. You're going to get a lot of bleeps. You can do that? <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? Very nice. We're not kidding you. And we're not kidding you that we appreciate you sticking with us. Have a great week. Take we'll care, everybody. Bye-bye.